Arodi, Oh, just begin to praise God and thank God for today. Lego Shati Pali the Lada da 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 Liga Barado Shinandi Mata Caparado Shinandi Liga da Balaga da Balaga da 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 Balaga da 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 Balaga da da Yega da Balaga da da Balaga da 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 Balaga da da Yega Barado Shinandi Yega Baradia Manda da 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 Lego Shinandi Yega Bala da 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 Lego Shinandi Gabar Dina Zeta Kapata Katakata Palakatia Ragosh Nandia Gadabala Gadabala Gadada Manda Gadabala 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 Gadaba Manda Dandanandi Liga Baladadadan Liga Baradush Nandia Gabaladia Manda Dandadandadandi Yakapurush Nandia Zeta Tata Kapata Katapata Katapata Gadabala 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 Gadada Manda Baradush Nandi Zebo Zuba Liga Oh, just thank God, just thank God, pray right now in other tongues Lego Shinandia Barida Apradina Zebo Sapariga Legatadadadandi Mandi. Oh, today my understanding is improved. In the name of Jesus, I understand things concerning faithful finances. In the name of Jesus, I understand things concerning faithful finances. In the name of Jesus, Leko Shapradina Akapadiga Apalido Rego Shinandia Akaradia Matakatapatakateada Lego Shinandia Parita Eploko Parada Deya Gabalida, Zeya da Gadabala 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 Menda Gadabara Goshinandia, Zeko Sopalide. Oh, today my understanding is improved. 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 I understand there's revelation knowledge for me. In the name of Jesus, there's revelation knowledge for me. In the name of Jesus, oh, I'm made better. In the name of Jesus, I'm made better. In the name of Jesus, I'm made better. In my understanding, concerning finances concerning faithful finances the will of god is clear to me in the name of jesus the will of god is clear to me in the name of jesus the will of god is clear to me in the name of jesus the light of god's word flood my heart i will never be the same again i refuse to live here the same way in the name of jesus i refuse to live here the same way in the name of jesus my understanding is improved in the name of jesus 
Oh, concerning the subject of finances, I see as God sees. In the name of Jesus, begin to declare where you are right now. I see as God sees. In the name of Jesus, I refuse to be deceived. I refuse to be disillusioned. In the name of Jesus, oh, but my eyes are focused on eternal things. In the name of Jesus, oh, today we ask that everyone that participates, everyone that listens, their understanding is improved. In the name of Jesus, we ask that light floods our heart. In the name of Jesus, in our hearts, we are made better. In the name of Jesus, our perspective is improved, our perspective is changed. In the name of Jesus, we are convinced of the truth of God's word. In the name of Jesus, every argument, every misunderstanding is taken away. In the name of Jesus, we allow God's word to improve us, to transform us. In the name of Jesus, we give, we give, we give space to the word of God to teach and direct and instruct us. In the name of Jesus, Oh, Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. Glory, 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 glory. As I, as, I, as I teach this evening, oh, there's utterance in the name of Jesus. We are improved in the name of Jesus. By your spirit, we are made better. Oh, and your name is glorified. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining in this evening. Please, I want you to um, hit someone up and say, please, that the teaching is up so they can join and we can all be blessed together. We trust that our perspectives will be changed this evening in the name of Jesus. So just for the next 15 seconds or thereabouts, I want you to hit someone up and tell them to join this live stream as we teach. All right. So just do that very quickly, do that very quickly. Chat someone up, send someone the link, tell them to join this evening. Oh, Father, we thank you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. All right. So the teaching theme is faith for finances. Faith for finances. And in day one, we taught about the reality of divine provision. Today, we'll be teaching on biblical perspective to material provision. Biblical perspectives to material provision. And I trust that our perspectives will be adjusted in the name of Jesus. The text for today's teaching is 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Please bring out the writing material. Make sure you document what you're learning. Make sure you pay attention to what you're learning. Open your Bibles, try to separate yourself and learn as much as you can get. Alright, because there's so much to learn this evening. First Timothy chapter 6 verse 17 says, Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded. Paul was talking to Timothy. He said, charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded. You know, this is amazing. He says, not trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us all things to enjoy. So, Paul is giving Timothy an instruction here. 
He said to charge those that are rich in this world. And maybe, just maybe you don't consider yourself in that category yet. You see, but this message is important to you. If you are making any form of income, this message is important to you. And even if you're not earning anything, this text is important to you. It's more important to you than you probably think. He says, first of all, he said that they are not, that they be not high-minded. You see, let me help you understand this thought properly. Let me say you go into a shop and you meet someone that is probably around your age range, but the person is maybe the sales girl there or the sales boy in that shop. How do you view the person? See, the way you view the person says a lot about whether you are being high-minded or not. How do you see people that don't earn as much as you do? Maybe you're a guy and you see another guy that is a laborer, does, you know, manual labor. And it's probably around your age range. You, if you can't be friends with him and have a normal, casual conversation, if you cannot, if you cannot keep friendship with him, you know, just if your only reason is because of his financial status, then that's a problem. It means you're high-minded. You know, it's a different case if it's because of your intellectual level. Maybe um, his worldview is different from yours or something. But if it's because of money, then you're high-minded. If you're a lady and you can't relate with certain ladies. Because, you see, many years ago, I heard a preacher say, inferiority superiority complex is a shade of inferiority complex maybe you can relate with certain people because you feel they're in a higher class than you are it is proof that if you meet someone else that you're in a higher class than you expect them to relate with you in certain ways do you understand and so he says charge them so maybe this message is more important to you than you think maybe you are actually high-minded do you understand? Let me give you an example. So, let me say you go into a store and you see me, the sales girl there. And maybe she was rude to you. How do you take it? If you cannot take it, there is probably a problem. If, if, because imagine if she was your sister or your cousin. You know, maybe normally you would have said, huh, I see, I see. Let me, let me, let me talk to your boss. Let me talk to your boss. Now you're about to implicate the person. But if the person was your sister or your boss or a member of your local church, you probably take it differently. And so it means that it's not necessarily about how the person behaves or how you view the person. Do you understand? It's probably about how you view the person. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to let me see your boss. I, I, I can't talk to you. You are not, you know, up to my level. Maybe you're being high-minded. How do you relate with the conductors and the boss. Do you understand? All of these things are indicatives. Do you understand? And so this message is, re is relevant to you. And so he says, don't be high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches. You see, these two go together. If your high-mindedness is proof that you trust in your own resources. This is but in the living God. And so I've tried to break that thought or that verse into its granular form. To help you understand and i'll do it a lot more throughout this season this um teaching so he is saying what paul is saying here is that you have to make sure that you are not trusted in your resources 
If you're earning salary, make sure you are not trusting in uncertain riches. Do you understand? He says, but in the living God. Ha, that's something to learn. That's something to learn. Because many of us at this point, time of the month, are already beginning to, you know, be careful and get scared. And it's even worse now with the pandemic. You're not sure they're going to cut your salary or they're going to pay you because you probably have no work throughout the month. You know, something. They're getting worried. It shows that your confidence for resources, you don't have faith in God for resources. You are trusting in your resources. And so, what we're learning is that we shouldn't put on confidence in our resources. Alright? We shouldn't put confidence. In fact, this is not just an admonition. It is wrong to trust in your resources. It's wrong. It's, it's, it's more sinful than you think it is. And you're going to see it in this series. We look at Matthew chapter 6 where we read um, in part 1 of this teaching. Matthew chapter 6 verse 26. Matthew 6 26. Jesus was the one speaking here. He said, Behold the fowls of the air. He said, They sow not. They are not working. Neither do they reap. Nor gather in bands. These guys are not working. They don't even have a saving plan. They don't save. They are not like the ants. They don't save. He said, Yet your heavenly father feeds you. Are you not much better than they? And so in part one, we saw the reality of divine provision. God provides. So when he says, don't trust in your riches, your certain riches, he says, trust in the living God that provides everything for your enjoyment. God wants you to enjoy. So when he says you should not trust in your riches, it's not because he wants you to suffer. And I want that to be at the back of your mind as we go through this teaching. And I'm going to say, richly to him. He says, but trust in the living God who gives us all things richly to enjoy. He gives us all things to enjoy. So that's important. So we see that the birds of the air, these things are without resources, yet they feed constantly. They are the birds of the air. They do not work. They don't have resources. They don't have a saving plan. Yet God provides for them. That should boost your faith. Now, verse 27 of what we're reading, we read verse 26 of Matthew chapter 6. Verse 27 says, Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? So you see that. Listen, listen. If you are beginning to get worried, or if you usually get worried when your resources, when your money is beginning to finish, it's proof that throughout the month you were trusting in your resources, you were not trusting in God. Meaning, realize that Paul was talking in, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, where we read. He says, charge them that are rich, that they do not trust in their resources, but in the living God, who gives all things to enjoy. Meaning that trusting God for resources is not a teaching for the poor. It's a teaching for everybody. So, you might not know that you are trusting in your resources, especially if you are earning some income, but you would know if you realize that when the income is getting depleted towards the end of the month when your resources are getting you know finished your salary is almost exhausted you begin to get worried you realize that you actually trusted in it throughout another way is this when you are when you are careful about generosity it's proof that you trust in your resources we are scared to give do you understand? Do you see how we give in church? It, it's just proof that 
we actually don't trust in God. Do you understand? We don't trust in God. We don't have faith for finances. Alright? So he says, can your worry add a single day to your life? So worrying is the opposite of trusting in God for provision. If you have a good string of income, you probably don't realize that you worry so much. Except when you want to probably acquire something you can't afford. You see? And so you begin to, you know, fidget a little. So you have to be careful that you're not worrying. Do you understand? You have to be careful that you're not worrying. Alright? You have to make sure you're trusting God. So, now, you, a question that might come to your mind is, like from First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, where we read, where he says, Child, those that are rich in this world, not to be high-minded, not trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. You begin to wonder, why, why actually should I have resources and trust God? I mean, why should I remember to trust God for resources at the beginning of the month? I have a lot of money. They just paid salary. Do you understand? So why will Paul say that those that have resources should trust God that gives resources? Do you understand? You have a lot of it. Why should I keep trusting God for more? Is it that he wants me to have so much more? Or, or what's, what's the idea? What's the, what's the rationale behind it? Look at it. So the question one answer is, why do I need to trust God if I have already? Huh. Pay attention. First Corinthians chapter 7 verse 29. Passing your seatbelt, we are about to go on a rough ride. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 7, verse 29. I read from the NIV, it says, What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. From now on, those that have wives should live as if they do not. Those that mourn as if they do not. Those that are happy as if they were not. Those who buy something as if it wasn't theirs to keep. This is very fascinating to me. He didn't even say those that have things as if it's not theirs to, think, to keep. He says those that buy something as if it wasn't theirs to keep. So imagine you just bought a new phone last week. And your mindset is that this is not mine to keep. He seems to give an illusion of generosity. Do you understand? And then he goes further to say, and... Those who use the things of this world, the resources, material possession, as if not engrossed in them. He is saying the same thing. Don't trust in uncertain riches. Do you see that? Those that have... So imagine, imagine how God wants you to look at the things, your material possession. As if it wasn't yours. As if you are not engrossed in it. As if it's not yours to keep. I know probably that's not what you tuned into here, but this is what the Word of God is saying. Don't trust in uncertain riches. He says, for this world is passing away. Alright? So here's the perspective you have to have. I'm a steward of God's possession. It's not mine to keep. I'm not engrossed in it. There's nothing I can't give. And I trust in the living God. I don't trust. My sufficiency is from God. Just and what is mine is not mine to keep. What I have is not mine to keep. My resources are God's resources that I should handle as a faithful steward. That's how you should think. My resources are God's resources that I should handle as a faithful steward. 
and my needs are divinely met. This is this is an important thought. I will see a lot of scriptures that buttress this, but let me help you to let me give you a, 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 a good picture of this. Imagine the last time you saw probably a beggar on the streets, which hopefully is over a month ago. If you haven't been roaming about like an evil spirit during this lockdown, if you haven't been like me. <laughs> so imagine I'm joking, or maybe not. So imagine if the last time you saw a beggar on the street, you wanted to hand them over maybe 20 bucks or 50 bucks or 200 naira or something. And um, you probably were contemplating, should I, should I not, should I, should I not, you know, and all of that. And probably you've done that a couple of times. Now let's, let's change the narrative. Imagine if you have this perspective that my resources are not mine to keep. I, they are God's resources and I should be a faithful steward of them. The perspective changes immediately. Your, your, meaning, you know, this is what we always do. We want to search our hearts. Should I give this person or should I not give this person? But imagine if your perspective is, my resources are God's resources and I should be a faithful steward of it. The, the game changes immediately. Once you see a beggar, you know what to do. You know the way, you know the way if, if you have, um, if you throw in the healing gift so much and you see a, 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 someone on the streets that, is, that, that needs a healing, you, you, you don't begin to search your heart, should I or should I not? You will just walk ahead to the person and say, can I pray for you? That is the perspective you should have about finances. Imagine, my resources are not of mine to keep. I don't trust in uncertain riches but in the living God. Do you understand? And so, when you think about scriptures like this, so remember we said, it's God's resources and to be a faithful steward. And then you remember that the Bible says, God makes the rain to fall on the good and the evil, everybody. And you remember that he feeds the fowls of the air. Do you understand? It means most likely your response to the poor or the needy will be generosity. Every time. Now, obviously, I'm not talking about depleting your resources because this is a lesson that you're probably just learning and it'll take a while for your mind to adjust and to take a while for it to incorporate it into your life. Do you understand? But this must be your perspective. All right? So, what this teaching is, teach, is, is, is telling you is take away unhealthy attachment to possessions. Take away a sense of ownership of your money. Ah, that money in your account, look at it. You be, have to begin to see it as God's possession that I am a faithful steward of. I know you worked for it. But that's how he wants you to look at it. Do you understand? As if it wasn't yours to keep. As if you're not engrossed in it. Listen, there should be nothing in your life that you cannot give. Make it a goal. You know, Paul was talking to the church in Corinth. And I think that's what I'm doing today. Let me tell you why. Partly because this is what I'm led to teach. And partly because every one of us has to work on our generosity. There's a scripture I wanted to read. I don't even think I have the time to read it today. But, you know, as this pandemic just came, our generosity just dropped. Everybody. Or most people. Most people, that's a safe way to put it. But, you know, the Lord began to deal with me concerning this subject. And it wasn't even about necessarily our, our, our generosity. I kind of understood. And so I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't talk about it. 
But the Lord began to talk to me about generosity. And initially, my mindset before I started studying was, okay, we need to understand how to make more money. You know, but as I began to study, and as the Lord began to prod my heart, you know, He said something. He said something. And I, I, and I began to understand from God's word that our perspective is not to be engrossed in material things. Worry is proof that our trust is in material things. Do you understand? But what God's idea is, is that we are generous. I don't know if I have the time to read that scripture. But it talks about generosity in the midst of family. Concerning the church in Macedonia, he says they were generous in the midst of hardship. I think I'd really probably before the end of this teaching. You know, but Paul told Corinth, he said, as you have grown in utterance, you have grown in revelation, you've grown in this, you've grown in that, grow in this giving grace also. That's something we need to learn. Listen, poverty is not an excuse not to be generous. Wealth is not an excuse not to be generous. Guess what's more? Farming is not an excuse not to be generous. Do you understand? The church in Corinth, Paul said that in deep poverty, they abounded more. Let me read it. First, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 from verse 1 to 4. He said, more of our brethren, he was talking to Corinth about Macedonia. He said, we do you to with the grace of God bestow upon the churches in Macedonia. How that in great trial of affliction, great trial, he says, how, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse um, 1 to 4. He said, more of our brethren, we do you to with the grace of God bestowed on churches of Macedonia. How that in great trial of affliction, Great trial of affliction, uh, sorry, how about in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and in deep poverty, is this not just a paradox? How can in great trial of affliction, like you are going through a lot of affliction, there's abundance of joy? It's proof that your, your, your faith isn't in this life. Do you understand? You have a higher a higher belief system, a higher trust than what is happening around you. People are dying around you. There's so much hardship around you. But you are abounding in joy because it's abundance of joy. He says, and in their deep poverty, abounded unto riches of liberality. These guys were poor. These guys were suffering. Guess what they were also doing? They were liberal. They were generous. He says, for to their power, I bear record. And yet, beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we receive their gifts. What kind of people were these? They were in deep, not normal poverty, they were in deep poverty. He says they began to beg us. Do you understand? Pray with much entreaty to receive their gift. He says, in their power and beyond their power. This is amazing. Meaning, people can be in deep poverty. And be begging you to receive their gifts. What they were doing is, what was happening at this time was that they heard that there was a famine in Jerusalem. They were themselves were experiencing affliction. They were in deep poverty, but they abounded in great generosity. Do you understand? So this is the character of believers. Generosity is for everybody. Do you understand? Generosity is very important for every single person and so you must to do that 
The first thing to do is take away the unhealthy attachment to your possession. Begin to see your resources as God's resources that you are faithful steward of. Look at this story in Luke chapter 16, verse 15 to 22. Alright. Amen. Alright. Luke chapter 12, verse 15 says, And he said unto them, Oh, pay attention to this. He said, Take heed and beware of covetousness. Now, when you hear covetousness, you begin to picture, hmm, someone that is lost it after someone else's possession. But look at how Jesus explained covetousness. He says, a man's life consisted not in the abundance of things which he himself possesses. Or possesses. So he sees covetousness. Jesus' use of the word covetousness is that your life doesn't consist. Not that you are lost in after someone's possession, but that you don't trust in your own possession. And he gives a story to buttress that point. You don't, you don't trust, you don't depend on your resources. Dependent on your resources is covetousness. He says, and he spoke a parable unto them. This is Luke, Luke chapter 12, I was reading from verse 15. He spoke a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentiful. And he thought within himself, saying, What should I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruit. And he said, This I will do. I will pull down my barn and I will build a greater, and there I will bestow all my fruits and all my goods, and I will say to my soul, Thou had much good laid up for years. Take thy ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God has said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul will be required of thee. This is this is this is mind blowing. This is mind blowing. Imagine if in your company, for example, um, you observed an error. Maybe it wasn't a, 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 a technical error that is, you know, huge that you need a lot of professional experience to, to detect. Or maybe somehow there was just an oversight or, on the part of, you know, those that were concerned. And you observed that error and it was going to cost your company a lot of money. Maybe hundreds of billions, you know, was going to cost your company. And you observed the error. You know, and you brought it out and, and, and they say, oh my God, this will have cost us hundreds of billions to, you know, to rectify and all of that stuff to redeem ourselves. And then they just say, you know what, let's just give you one billion as compensation. Because, I mean, if you didn't observe it, we would have been doomed, you know. And you tell yourself, oh my God, one billion, okay, it's my name, that's amazing. And you tender your resignation and go home and rest. And then God says you're free. He's not saying you're a fool, why didn't you keep amassing more wealth? But because you are trusting in your resources. Look at it. He says, but God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul is required of thee. He said, then whose shall be the things which thou hast provided? You see that? He says, so who will now spend all the things that you've, you, you, you've gained? He said, because your soul is required, will be required of you, you die. <laughs> He says, so he, so is he that left up treasure for himself and not rich towards God. So God doesn't have a problem with you being rich, but that you depend on that riches. That you don't see it as his resources. You are not rich towards God. You can't give it. You can't see people that need and be generous. Listen to me. If you are the only one spending all your salary, you're wrong. God doesn't want that for you. If you are the one spending all your pay, and I'm not talking about, or oh, I'm not the only one spending, I'm spending it on my girlfriend too. That's not what I'm talking about. Do you understand? 
That's the core. Listen, Jesus said where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. If we, if we check your expenditure, if we don't see sizable investments into the kingdom, you know, whether it's helping the poor or giving in the church, listen, listen, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. If, we, if you actually believe, and this is a message for every one of us, if you actually believe that this resource is not for you, but it's God's resource, I have to be a faithful steward, you won't have a problem with this. Do you know that if you have a problem with the fact that the Bible teaches that you should be generous and you should see what you work for as God's resource and not trust in uncertain riches, it means there's a problem. It means that the problem is there's a problem with the state of your heart. Do you understand? So, what God was expect, what was God expecting him to do? Ha! Hey, listen, this might be the most difficult thing you've learned as a believer. But without it, trust me, I think your salvation is questionable. What was God expecting him to do? He was expecting him to be generous with his resources. Now, let me show you a scripture that, that delineates the point I've been trying to make. Matthew 19, 16. Matthew verse 9, chapter 19, verse 16. It says, And behold, one came unto him and said unto him, Good master, what things should I do to, that I may have eternal life? The, I think it's Mark or Luke. That recorded, he said the guy ran to Jesus and fell at his feet and said, Good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Imagine that kind of drama from somebody that is rich and is not trying to be deceitful. He runs up to Jesus in the public, falls down at his feet, prostrates, and says, What should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, Why are you calling me good? There's no one good except God. He says, You know the commandments. He says, Which one? He said, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt honor your father and your mother, thou shalt love your neighbor as thyself. Ha, the man said, all these things I have kept for my youth. Listen, I taught this story, I think, last year or so. I said, this is probably very difficult for a rich young ruler. He has, with all his wealth, do you understand? He didn't commit adultery. He didn't kill anybody to make money. He honored his father and his mother. He loves his neighbor. This is this is this is a this huge sacrifice. Jesus, this is huge sacrifice. And then Jesus said unto him, He says, "If you must be perfect, give all." Oh, seems like some people have left the live stream. Please do well to chat them up to come back online. I think when there was a glitch in network, some people left. So please chat everyone, every other person up that should come online. We're back online. All right, all right. So back to what we're teaching. So, this guy did something that was a peculiar task, as it were. And Jesus said, if you would be perfect, if you would be perfect, go, sell all that you have, give to that he has given you much more than all your money can buy. You will be thankful. Realize that he, has, he will be thankful. Because, let's be sincere, it's not easy for you to just, you will be thankful. Because, Let's be sincere. It's not easy for you to just wheel out your money to God and say, you know what, whatever you want, wherever you want me to give, I give. When there's a need, I supply. And I trust you to supply my need. It's not easy. But I must realize, you know, Matthew chapter 13 verse 44, it says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that was hid in a field, for which when a man saw, he hided it again, he goes away with joy, sell all that he has and buys that field. It's like a treasure hidden in a field that it outweighs everything that my money has. And he talks about the fact, listen, this is, this is a win-win for us. He gives us a treasure that outweighs every treasure that we have. 
And when we give our material possessions, we gain treasures in heaven. And also, when we are generous, He blesses us. He says we should trust in the living God that gives us all things. This is a win, 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 win. I mean, we are always winning. But one step, you have to trust in the living God. And take your trust away from material things. You have to see your resources as God's resources for, of whom you are a faithful steward of. So that's very important. Alright? That's very important. So I wrote here, I said, this is only possible if you know that you have a treasure in your spirit that outweighs every earthly treasure for which you are thankful for. And you know that what he gave you, and you know that, that he that gave you the treasure is willing and able to meet all your needs. He that gave you that heavenly treasure is willing and able to meet all your needs. Romans chapter 8 verse 32 is very clear. He says, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him for us all, how shall he not with him free? Give us all things. Listen, listen. We don't give generously so that God will give us. No, 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 no. It's logically inconsistent to think that the God that gave Jesus freely, we ask you to give so that he will give you stuff. No, he doesn't, he doesn't need you to give for him to give you stuff. Do you understand? He is willing to give you all things freely. Now, Philippians 4, verse 18 to 19 says, But I have all, and this is very important to understand. He says, But I have all. And abound, I am full and have received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing unto God. So when we give, this is a sacrifice that is well-pleasing to God. Alright? He says, But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. So we see God blessing you when you give. Alright? Matthew 6, verse 3 is also clear. It says, um, let me read this that I wrote. They said, So we don't give to be gave and we're thankful. They gave and we're thankful. Alright. It says, They didn't give to be blessed. They gave as, thank, as thanksgiving for the treasure that they had in heavenly places to show their trust in God that gives all things truly to enjoy. They didn't hold their material things as security. They gave because God met their needs. God is their source and not material things. God and material things were just added onto them. So that's very important. Matthew 6, 3 is clear. Seeking for the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things. All these things shall be added unto you. I'm sorry. All these things shall be added unto you. So back to our opening text. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 says, Charge them that are rich in this world, that they are not high-minded, not trusting on certain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Who gives us all things richly to enjoy? I think people went offline again when there was a glitch in network. So please do well to chat them up so that they can come online as we prepare to wrap up all right now look at remember we've read first timothy chapter um 6 verse 17 again and again not to trust that the rich do, do not trust in their sudden riches you know but in the living god now that was verse 17 let's read verse 18 into 19. he says that they do good remember he said they should not trust in their certain riches but in the living god who gives all things to enjoy riches to enjoy he said that they do good that they be rich in good works ready to distribute. Do you see that? Ready to distribute, willing to communicate, that's willing to give. He says, laying up in treasure for themselves a good foundation against the times to come, that they may lay 
hold on eternal life. So what God was saying was that as rich, you know, people with resources, we don't trust in our resources, but in the living God, and we do good. We are ready to distribute our resources. He says, lay up a foundation for times to come, and lay up treasure in heaven. So, meaning that, you know, God should be our supply. Do you understand? God is our source. We are ready to give. Now, maybe it might have crossed your mind that, what if, after distributing, being generous, you know, my needs are not met. First of all, that's not how a man of faith talks. You know, the Bible says, uh, talking about salvation, he says, say not in your heart, who who go and bring Jesus up, that's to raise him up from the dead, or bring him from heaven. He says, the word is thee, even in thy mouth. Just as, he now says, if thou shalt believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus, and confess that God has risen for the dead, thou shalt be saved. A man of faith keeps saying what God has said. That my needs are met, that he supplies, he gives me all things freely to enjoy. Look at Hebrews chapter 13. Let me read that. I think this that's a good place to descend this teaching. Hebrews chapter 13. I'll read um maybe from verse 5 into verse 6. It says, Let your conversation, that's your lifestyle, be without covetousness. Now remember, we've spoken about what covetousness is. It means that I don't have an unhealthy, you know, an unhealthy grip on my material resources. He said, but be content with such as you have. For he had said, I will not leave thee, nor forsake thee. So he's saying that don't have an unhealthy grip on your material possession. He said, be content with what you have. Because God has said, I will not leave you. He says, so that you may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man will do. Do you understand? So that's how a man of faith thinks. That's how he said, where your treasure is. Where your treasure commitment. Remember Jesus said, where your treasure is made popular wherever you are. You must realize that God has a plan for your life. And it is that the gospel is made popular wherever you are. Do you understand? And so, if you are chasing money the way many people are, you will not be able to give the devotion that is required for the spread of the word. Listen, the gospel is your life. The spread of the gospel is your assignment. You live for that one goal. And so, you must make it your responsibility to adjust your mind, to be content, to take away the unhealthy chase for money. Be generous. Make sure you put your money where your heart is. Do you understand? Very important. You channel your heart by putting your money in the spread of the gospel. Just and in helping the poor. So Paul said, I've learned to be content. He said, I know both how to be abased and how to abound. Listen, prosperity is not necessarily a proof of spirituality. It's not necessarily a proof of spirituality. Jonathan, Paul himself said, I've learned to be abased and to abound. He says, I know how to be abased and to abound. He said, everywhere and in all things, I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, to be abound. Hallelujah. All right. So he's in suffering need. He says, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. And so we must learn to be content. We must learn that whether abased, whether abound, whether with much, whether with little, I am content. 
And I focus on what was most important, and that is the spread of the word. Do you understand? So this is the kind of mentality you need. This is what faith for finances look like. This is what faith for finances look like. And what I want you to just do today is just to pray and begin to say that, Father, in the name of Jesus, my heart is stirred up. I, I realize, I realize that my, my focus should be the gospel. I, 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 I have a, a, a commitment to the gospel. In the name of Jesus, I have a commitment to the gospel in the name of jesus my my focus my my devotion my chase is the spread of the word in the name of jesus i take away my trust from money and i trust in you that gives me richly things to enjoy and i commit myself to the spread of the word in the name of jesus oh father we thank you libagasha pratina to you alone be all the glory thank you heavenly father in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. All right. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in. Um, you do well to share what you've learned probably on the WhatsApp group, online. Give me feedback how you're blessed by this teaching. And feel free to share it with someone, you know, once the teaching is out. All right. We will continue tomorrow in the last part of this teaching.